Naming hurricanes helps meteorologists communicate storms clearly and raise awareness, but it hasn't always gone smoothly, and the way we name storms has changed over time. Some hurricane names can also be challenging to pronounce, like this year's Hurricane Idalia. We heard a few variations on that one. To one of the closest places outside of Idalia's path, good possibility that tropical storm Idalia will be visiting us in just a couple of days. And who could forget the year 2020 when we were dealing with a pandemic and a hurricane that no one could seem to pronounce? This morning, all eyes are on Tropical Storm Isaias and the impact it'll have on our area. An update of Tropical Storm Isaias. And of course, my personal favorite. Oh, Hurricane Isaias. And even though many meteorologists were pronouncing Isaias correctly, they were still getting angry voicemails. Uh, yeah, you all are pronouncing the name of that hurricane wrong. It's Isaiah. Look at the word. It's a Bible name. You all sound so stupid and silly when you're saying Isaiah. In this episode, we'll take a deep dive into the history of naming hurricanes. We'll learn where the names come from and who decides when one gets retired. We'll also find out which letter of the alphabet has been the most retired, and we'll discuss other types of weather that should or shouldn't be named. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie, and you're listening to Off the Radar, a production of the National Weather Desk. On the show, we dig deep into topics about weather, climate, the ocean, space, and much more. Our goal is to help you better understand the weather and to love it as much as we do. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, Venus Reed, welcome to Off the Radar. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. We go back, man. We go way back. I think you're like the only meteorologist I know at this point that has worked for Sinclair longer than I have. Yeah, I've been there. What? I just got my 20 year plaque like last uh, last spring. Yeah, there's a plaque. Yeah, I got a 20 year. Wow. Well, congratulations. How's Florida treating you? So we worked together in Baltimore for many years, which I thought you were going to just like die in Baltimore. But then you decided to move to South Florida. Well, you know, I had been in Baltimore for 18 years, uh, you know, being there at Fox 45. And, uh, you know, I started out at corporate, you know, for three and a half, four years with New Central, but then came down to Fox 45 and I stayed there all this time. And then I saw the opening that happened on uh, Jeff Baradelli used to be the chief down here. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to try something different. Well, nice. I mean, you're dealing with hurricanes one right after another. Now it's a big deal, much bigger deal down there. Right. Indeed. I mean, it's a different life. I mean, every season uh, there's a preseason prep. We talk about it, get your hurricane preparation together. Um, People have to be ready. Um, but there's this amazing flock of people coming from New Jersey and New York. I mean, the New Yorkers down here 
it's a lot of people from New York, New Jersey. You see New York plates and seasonal. You get people come down and the off hurricane season, a lot of people, it gets busy down here. So there's a lot of new education for people who are relocating. Yeah. Even when we were in Baltimore, we really, I mean, we covered them, but they weren't quite as important. And I remember actually one of the first hurricanes I covered was with you. We were doing Irene. Do you remember Irene? Yeah, Irene went up the coast. It stayed out over the Atlantic. Uh, we kind of watched it crawl up the coast. And and it was more effects like on the Delaware Eastern Shore situation because we were wondering if that eye get west because we remember the, the one before with the eye, the eye storms, was Isabel. And Isabel really did one over in Baltimore. That was a lot of flooding, I remember. Always with the eye storms. And I, yes, uh, storms. you know, I wanted to bring you on the show today, too, because we're talking about hurricane names and um, kind of the history behind them. And I'm curious if any names stand out to you that you really remember, whether it's because they were an influential storm or a weird name or a funny name or just one that was like impossible to say. <laughs> well, you know what? A little bit of the all of the above, but um, the one that stood out for me, for me, Personally, having the forecast for and dealt with it was Isabel, because Isabel, when I was in Baltimore, the amount of flooding that happened in the Inner Harbor and the Potomac Basin, you know, the Chesapeake Bay was really actually above the forecasted amount. And that whole Inner Harbor was flooded with several uh, feet of water. But um, the other one that just kind of gets me was I remember when Katrina hit down in Louisiana with that storm. I remember we were forecasting, you know, we're in Baltimore, but we're talking about it. But I remember my news director, Scott Livingston, at the time, I was talking to him about this is going to be a history making storm. We should be positioning people if we're going to be doing live down there ahead of time of that storm. And then the names, he says, I hated that name. I Everybody hated did. <laughs> Everybody, no one knew what to say. Did you get any viewer um, phone calls on how you were saying it? Um, no, I didn't get a, I think we just figured it out after about a day or so. Yeah. It was like, you know, the anchors would toss to me saying the wrong wing and then I would say the wrong thing back and then one other person. Oh, it was it contagious, was, right? If somebody said it wrong, you couldn't get it right. No, it was, and, and then you question yourself, am I saying this right? Am I getting this work? Yeah, there's our- In the meantime, no, no. you're like, wait a minute, I should be focusing on the track and the impacts and not the name. Oh. <laughs> this last season, we had, we had Philippe, right? Mm-hmm. So before he came up, I said, is it Philip, Philippe, or Felipe? Felipe. Yeah, there were a lot of E's at the end of it. Yeah. So these people have to look at it. And, you know, the names are, you know, we get English names, Spanish names, and French names. So you have to look for each one, whichever it is. Yeah. You know, I would, I hope, and I don't know if they already do this. I know they did it with Isaias, but I would love if the Hurricane Center put out like somebody saying it. Because I know they put out the pronunciation, like the phonetic way to say it, but... You know, we're such visual and listeners, so it would be so great to have somebody like record it, say it, and then just send it out to all the broadcasters. Exactly. Here's how you do it right. It's for our bilingual uh, meteorologists out there. Much love to you. Because sometimes I'll fall on that. I'll call one of my friends and say, okay, this is bad. How am I supposed to say this? And they're like, oh, this is how you say this. Right. Right. Today's show, I am talking to Brian McNulty. I don't know if you've ever heard of Brian McNulty, but he's kind of a big deal on Twitter. He's had this weather blog since like the mid 90s that really focuses on hurricanes. And he's great at talking about hurricanes, has worked for Capital Weather Gang, which of course we're both familiar with. 
And um, so I talked to him about hurricane names because he did a whole 45 minute presentation about the history of hurricane names. He's done a lot of research on the different names, who's been retired the most and, um, you know, the names that are most impactful and how they used to be named and how they used to be named after just women. There's um, women. That's yes, right. yes, which is, you know, kind of like boats, I guess. <laughs> yeah. One up, right. So Brian was awesome. We talked a lot about that. And um, so he's he's my guest on the show today. But Venus, it's been so fun talking to you and catching up. Yes. And I'm so happy for you in Florida. You're really on kind of the front edge of the hurricane season every year now, aren't you? Yeah, it's a different world down here. And with each season that comes, you know, you just keep your fingers crossed that I uh, hope that this isn't the one that we get it. Um, people remember certain names, storms. Uh, but that's one of the things we always have to remember, too, as just meteorologists trying to get a clear message out because people are like, oh, I made it through that one. Oh, we rallied out this. I always tell people not one storm is the same and it's not the winds. It's the water. Always remember the water. That's the gonna- water. And the season isn't really dictated by the dates that it used to be. You know, even though we're coming up on the end of the season here in about a month. You know, with this big super El Nino that's being predicted, like, who knows? Who knows if we may get a hurricane in November, December, you know? Two seasons have gone over the names, you know, as far as run out of names. So it has been twice in the last 15 years. So in the last 15 years, that tells you our oceans are warmer. The atmosphere is a lot more juice out there. So we are seeing a little change and difference in how things are happening out there. Yep. Ever let your guard down. That's right. All right. Never, well, never turn back to the ocean. And, and why would you want to? It's beautiful. Exactly. <laughs> Venus, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, let's listen in now with my interview with Brian McNulty from the University of Miami. Brian McNulty from University of Miami to talk hurricane names. But I want to start by going way back to the beginning before hurricanes were even named and the history when it comes to that and how that got started. So can you tell me a little bit about how we started naming hurricanes? Yeah, it's a pretty long history. Um, And before we gave them human-type names, they were often named after uh, like a saint. You might have saint so-and-so on this day, and if that hurricane hit on that day, they named the hurricane after that saint. Then I'd say maybe about one to 200 years ago, they started naming it after where it hit. So you'd have like the great Miami hurricane of 1926. I feel like the great was thrown into every name too, right? Like it the great water. Labor Day hurricane of 1935. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's true. They, they all have great. They were all great. <laughs> which, you know, great has different meanings. And that doesn't mean awesome. It, it means like huge, big, you know. Yeah. Impactful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, but the first person who actually started to give hurricanes recognizable names was actually um, Clement Ragg in Australia. And that was in the late 1800s. He didn't really have a system and he wasn't really doing it as part of an agency. He just was interested in this and tracked tropical cyclones there. And so he would name them after women that he liked or didn't like, uh, name it after politicians that he liked or didn't like, just whatever, you know, but they, they were actual names though. That only lasted about 10 years and then it kind of faded away for a while. And then in the Atlantic, the first time 
tropical storms started getting names again, you had to wait till a little bit after World War II. So, you know, about 50-ish years or so went from, from his very informal scheme to a somewhat more formal scheme where they did have lists. They they used the um, the World War II phonetic alphabet. So um, Abel, Baker, Charlie, Dog, Easy, you know. So there was that whole phonetic alphabet that got used during World War II. And so they just used that as the list of names. That lasted about five years. Then they went on to doing something that lasted a pretty long time where they just used alphabetical names of all female names. Alice, Barbara, Carol, so on, so on. Why just female names? Was there a reason for that? Let me guess, men were doing the naming. <laughs> you got it. In, in the 50s, there were no women in, in the field at all, just the way it was. And so, yeah, that is kind of, I, I wasn't around then, but the hearsay of, of it is that it, it was kind of done because they were unpredictable and so on and so forth. So like, so yeah, it was a very male-centric thing. <laughs> um, and that list of all female names, they kind of changed the schemes a little bit, you know, as far as like how many rotating lists there were and the exact names that were used. But the, the concept of all female names lasted until 1979. Um, so what's that like 20, 26 years they went with all female names. And at this point, who is doing the naming? Is it the World Meteorological Organization? Great question. Um, that's when it changed. Yeah, the WMO took over in 1979, and that's when the current system came into place, where it's a male-female alternating. Prior to them taking over, it was um, the United States Weather Bureau, and then the National Hurricane Center, which one kind of became the other. You know, the Weather Bureau became the National Hurricane Center. But yeah, it was only when the WMO took over in 1979 that the scheme changed and it's the same scheme we still use now. But there have been some transitions here over the past several years, correct? Because it used to kind of be, I'm, I'm more thinking like cultural impacts because it used to be a very English centric name list. And I feel like there's been a little bit more diversity added over the years. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, they, they've always tried to pick names that are fairly representative of the countries that are impacted. So in the Atlantic, that would be Spanish, French, English, you know, so and there's a few more, but those, those are certainly the big three um, in, in the Western Atlantic. And so they generally do try to pick names that are representative of that. And I think you're right. I think it's been more so you know, like the, the, the first few lists, I'm going to kind of look at the original. So um, just to, Back up a little bit. So in 1979, they started this current naming scheme and they, they introduced it right away to have six rotating lists. So that means every six years, we use the same list of names. It just gets recycled. Otherwise, we'd really run out, out of names. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they, from 1979 to 1984, we had you know the first time each of those six lists got used for the very first time. And so I'm looking at what those are trying to see, I, I mean, they definitely are primarily English type names, but there's some that are pretty clearly, you know, Spanish or French or something like that. But I, I think we've definitely leaned more that way in recent years. 
partially because I think people are just, you know, more aware of these things. Uh, but two, because quite a few of the, those original names have been retired and they need replacement names and they pull from different national type names. Yeah, I want to talk about the retirement too, because I think there's some confusion about how, what um, delineates a storm to be retired. And then once again, who's making that decision? Yeah, well, same place is making that decision. That's a subcommittee of the WMO, but it's a very subjective decision. There are no rules or, you know, um, how many people have to be killed by a storm or how much does the storm have to cost? There's zero rules on that. Um, there's some storms that when you see, you know, how many people were killed and it wasn't retired, it's amazing. Uh, or you see how expensive it was and it wasn't retired. And then and it's, so the process is there's 28 member nations who send representatives to this meeting held each year. And they talk about lots of things. I mean, it's a multi-day meeting, but this name or this uh, retirement topic comes up as one of the many agenda pieces on one of the days. So it's, it's not the reason that they meet, um, but it's, it's, it's on the list. And one of the member nations says, I nominate so-and-so for retirement, and they might give reasons why. And then the 28 member representatives vote on it and it's retired or it's not. Almost always, if someone puts up a nomination, it's for a good enough reason that they're like, yeah, we all agree, it's retired. And then as a committee, they vote on a new name to replace it. Okay, and then um, I wanna ask too about the addition of this backup list. So it's yeah. funny, and it does seem too with the naming of hurricanes that every time something new is going on, it's kind of a, well, let's try this. And then it's not really a long-term solution. You know, like uh, Greek letters, turns out was not a long-term solution, right? Because what happens if one of these gets retired? So yeah. when did the Greek letter backup come along and how short-lived was that? I'm really glad you asked this because I spent a lot of time hunting this piece of information down before, um, not knowing you were going to ask this. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, turns out there wasn't a plan for the quite a long time. There was no overflow plan at all for the Atlantic. Um, so when the 21 names got used up, they, they just never thought that would happen. And then what, tw 2005? 2005, yeah. Um, but actually, they... They introduced the Greek alphabet as an overflow list in 1996 as in the official plan uh, because 1995 was a super active season and they got very close to needing something. They're like, whoa, this, this isn't supposed to happen. <laughs> um, so they, they realized that it, it could happen. Um, so when they met in 1996, they decided that the Greek alphabet would be their overflow list. Yeah, like you said, that, that first came into practice um, nine years later in 2005. There were six storms that went into the Greek alphabet scheme. Wow, so like really needed that list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just kept on going. And then it really kept on going the second time that we got into the overflow list in 2020. There were nine storms that went into the Greek alphabet. And... There we got into trouble because two of those nine were very intense storms that made landfall and 
very impactful and killed a lot of people. You know, so they definitely warranted retirement. But you, they ran into the problem of they weren't names. They were like, I mean, it was a Greek alphabet. So it was like yeah. a letter of the alphabet. How do you yeah. retire that? Do you just skip that letter entirely next time or what? Right. <laughs> um, so <laughs> they ended up retiring technically two of those. Um, it was, I think both Ada and Iota were retired. But then they also said, we just got to stop using the Greek alphabet. This is not a good plan anymore. We're seeing the fault with this now. So they scrapped the Greek alphabet entirely and came up with an alternate name list that's more like the actual normal list, where it's just an alternating alphabetical list of male female names. And if one of those should happen to ever need to get retired, they can. And they'll just replace it with another C name or, or whatever. Okay. So now this is a current practice where we have our list, um, you know, of alphabetical names. And then when we exhaust that, we've got our backup list of alphabetical names and then we go through that one. So that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. we've, we've got two lists of 21 names. So when we finish the regular list of 21 names, we start all over at A again, which is, you know, whatever. It, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I feel like it actually also gives hope to um, like A's sometimes being retired. Because right now I feel like the A name is always like some podunk little coastal low, <laughs> you know, that yeah. never amounts to anything. So maybe like the the backup A will get retired at some yeah. point. <laughs> okay. I want to ask you some um, like what if questions um, that, you know, I've been asked over the years and I'm curious about the answers. So we have these different basins, you know, we, we always talk about like the Atlantic basin when we talk about hurricanes. Obviously, this year we learned there are other basins that are impactful. But um, what happens if, say, you've got Hurricane Bob and it's moving from the Atlantic to the Pacific? Is it still Hurricane Bob or does it take on a Pacific name? So the, the way it works now is if, if the storm maintains its characteristics so it's still like a trackable tropical entity it maintains its name if it loses its its kind of key structure and it's a little messy as it crosses let's say the mountains of central america or mexico uh, and then it reemerges and reforms then it would get a new name. But if it's a trackable, coherent thing as it crosses Mexico or Central America, it keeps its name, which is a little weird. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to think of a perfect way to handle such a storm, but so you could have conceivably two active sea names in the East Pacific at the same time, for example. <laughs> Right. It sounds un like not conceivable, but we've seen some not conceivable things happen, right, yeah. over the past <laughs> decade. So who knows? Um, so I guess that's the same rule that would apply, say, if it stayed in the same basin, but um, kind of did, you know, like a little loop-de-loo. And, you know, so we, I feel like we've seen this happen before. Yeah. And even in like the long-term yeah. models, it kind of looked like with Edalia, like, you know, at one point the GFS had it kind of like coming back around yeah. and like looping back around. Um, which I think is everybody's worst nightmare with a major landfalling hurricane that this thing would come back. Um, so same same rules apply there. Yeah, correct? yeah, exactly. Okay, we actually didn't get to see that happen this year with Gert. Gert 
kind of came apart, but it was still trackable. The same low was still trackable. It just didn't meet the qualifications anymore to be a tropical depression. So it wasn't a depression anymore, but it was still a very coherent, trackable thing. And then it actually reformed. I forget how long after, like a week or something later, and it was girt again. But if it had kind of disintegrated a little bit too much, that would have been the end of girt. And it's what was left over reformed and it would have gotten a new name then. Gotcha. Which once again, like we always think of science as like very exact and, um, you know, we can make decisions based on exactly how things are. But some of this stuff, like you said, is or isn't subjective. Yeah, it, it can be definitely subjective at times. All right. So let's talk about other ocean basins. Um, you know, I get the other question I get asked a lot is the difference between a typhoon, a cyclone and a hurricane. So I, I think everybody's kind of clear on that. Like there isn't really a difference. It's more about location. Naming these and other basins, um, you know, there's definitely we've seen typhoons named are cyclones in the southern hemisphere named in the same way that we name in the Atlantic Basin. Yeah, yeah. So each region of the world kind of has its own National Hurricane Center equivalent. Uh, and so they're, they handle storm intensities and forecast advisories. And, you know, this is going to this is named that. And, and there are different regions of the WMO. So you know, like I said, there's this like subcommittee that meets and, you know, votes on names and da da da. Um, turns out there's a few regions that that's broken up into and North America and the Atlantic is one of those regions, but other parts of the world have that too. And so they kind of have the same thing. The naming doesn't work the same everywhere else. So of course they all have their own list. So they don't all share the same list that we use in the East Pacific and the Atlantic. But the system that they use in the West Pacific, I kind of like, they just have this rather huge list of names and they just go through like time, years don't define it. Oh, okay. In other words, if they are through 26 names in this year, right, you know, like by the time of their um, hurricane season, it is over. Then the next name store just picks up where it left off. So there's no, uh, you don't go in alphabetical order or anything because the, the list isn't in alphabetical order. It's just a list of names. They just keep adding to it. Yeah. So, you, I mean, there it does repeat. I, I forget how many are on it, but it's quite a few. All right. So I know you've done some research kind of looking at the impact of names. And I'm curious, have you looked at how people react to different types of names? Whether it's a male name, a female name, a a strong name, that uh, something we would think of as a strong name, something we would think of as not a strong. Like if there's a hurricane named Thor, I feel like everybody would just run <laughs> for the Midwest. So I'm curious what you've kind of observed officially or unofficially over the years. There, there was a a quasi official study done on this quite a few years ago, and I don't remember where it was published or who wrote it. Um, so I wasn't prepared for, for this question, but I, <laughs> I do know who it was looked at. Uh, and I think they did the, the male-female angle. Um, and if I remember the paper right, it did have that male names were generally more scary to people, you know, for whatever. It's um, Obviously, these are just... Hurricanes, they don't have 
<laughs> so that um, <laughs> we just assign these names to them so that you know it doesn't matter that they're objectively the same right but creature. we are human like if you walk down the street a giant man walks by you you're a little more scared than if a woman yeah. walks by you generally so i get no. it i you know if that's if that's true i you know, i don't know what you can really do about it because from one start to the next it's kind of a random pick of what name it'll receive um but i, I think as far as my observations casually i don't think i've really noticed that i think people recognize that it's not a person coming to get you it's just a storm that happens to have that name do you think that there's any impact based on whether or not someone can pronounce the name because i've noticed this trend recently maybe it's just me, with um, the I names and people having trouble pronouncing some of the I names. And I don't know if it's just, you know, circumstantial, you know, like Isaias was one yeah. of them that I feel like. <laughs> yeah. And I there were so many meteorologists like trying their hardest to say this <laughs> name and they could not say it. And then most recently, too, with Idalia, that's mm-hmm. another one I heard so many different versions of that one. So I'm curious if their ability to pronounce it or the simplicity of the name makes a difference. I I don't know. I I think kind of like well what 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 you were saying is if if someone doesn't know how to pronounce it correctly, they'll just pronounce it the way they want to. And it doesn't really change anything. It's just they just don't pronounce it correctly. And so people right. who are maybe from the country where that name came from, they're like, what's wrong with you? Is that that yeah. hard? Um, okay. So last thing I want to bring up, and it's not hurricanes, but when we're talking about naming things, I think it's worth noting that um, kind of in the way that I sounds like hurricanes started getting names by just some guy who just decided to name hurricanes. So, you know, the Weather Channel is naming winter storms. We've got all these other impactful things. I've heard rumors of heat waves being named. We've got atmospheric rivers going on. They've got categories now. So I want to talk about do you the benefit of naming things and where you think we're going with this. And is it going to get out of control with all the stuff that we name? Yeah. Well, there, there's a lot packed in here. Um, well, I, I think to, to zoom out, the reason tropical cyclones started to get named was just to make communication about them simpler, like, you know, with the general public, rather than calling it Storm 3 or giving its latitude and longitude coordinates or something ridiculous. They just, uh, like, it's easier to communicate the threat of this storm if it's given a recognizable name. Uh, So that's really kind of the reason. So it doesn't and I, okay, there, it, it, another part that makes hurricanes a nameable thing is they tend to last a while, you know, a f- few days to even a couple weeks. Um, so we don't name like an afternoon rain shower, one, because it's not very impactful, and two, because it's gone in a half an hour. So you kind of have to have a thing that lasts long enough to matter. So with those two criteria, then things like winter storms and heat waves and atmospheric rivers, which are also extremely impactful and expensive. It makes sense, but you're right that it's like it could start to get pretty confusing. If we have five lists to be paying attention to, it's like um, heat wave so-and-so and hurricane this, and it's like, oh, wow, okay. 
So I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn on that. Yeah, it could get confusing to have three named things affecting a region at the same time, for example. Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't have anything else. Is there anything else you want to share in all of your years of looking at storms and names and, and the history here? Anything else you want to share with us? I, I think one one thing that comes up a lot as this oddity, when we're talking about retired names, uh, and actually we were also talking about eyes, the, the eye names, turns out for the Atlantic, I is by far the most retired storm names that, that start with I. Since 1953, when we started using human names, um, there have been 13 I storms retired. And the next closest is way down at 10, and that's uh, F. And then below that is C at... That's all over the place. Yeah. Like you could make some sort of, you know, like conclusion about the time of year. But I guess also in recent years, you know, we've had our A's and, you know, outside of hurricane season. So... Yeah. And A is actually up there. Um, you know, really? the A, is, A is in fifth place for number of retired storms with that. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy to think back. Like I think back to Andrew and I didn't even really think about, well, that was the A name. We just think Andrew and it was huge. I mean, well, not huge, but impactful yeah. and major. But that was the first hurricane of the year. And now I feel like we're plowing through the names. And by the time hurricane season actually starts, we're already on F. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, I think it's so the, the a common assignment to I being so retired is that it is related to where the I storm typically falls in the hurricane season. It's probably like early September and, you know, the peaks so of the odds of it being a really uh, unpleasant storm or hot. But all the letters around it, like G, H, J and K are all, let's see, I'm looking at this so I don't get them wrong. G and H are at five and six. J and K are at five and three. So those four, two neighbors on each side, and then you have I at 13. So if it's a time of year, then it's friends and neighbors should kind of be high too, and they're not. Yeah, interesting. So I think it's just a lot of just luck, really. That yeah. We, we, I just keeps being the storm. Maybe that's why we're getting the non, non-pronounceable I names then. We're <laughs> just like running out of... <laughs> There's truth to that. Yeah. And this year, who, who I was knows? Say, know. What are we going to wind up in six years? Because certainly Edalia is going away, right? I'm guessing. <laughs> it's a good guess. Yeah. We, we, we won't know until next March or April when they meet to vote. <laughs> All right. Well, Brian McNulty, thank you so much. This was fun and interesting. I, I, I learned a lot still about these names. Certainly. My pleasure. Thanks. Off the Radar is a production of the National Weather Desk. Make sure you're following the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes drop every Tuesday morning. If you have a hurricane buff in your life, please share this episode with them. We'd also love you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show and give me ideas for future episodes. Special thanks to Brian McNulty for his expertise on hurricane names. And to Vita Reed, Chief Meteorologist at CBS 12 in West Palm Beach, Florida, for joining me at the beginning of the show. I'm meteorologist Emily Gracie. Make it a great day.